following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You are now listening to Lucha Outsider Show, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. At Lucha Outsiders, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Lucha Outsider Show. Congratulations. You played yourself. Welcome to another episode of the Lucha Outsider Show. I am the heel that seals the deal, the villain stays chilling, the anti-hero of the IWC, your boy, Mr. Rated R, and I'm joined by my tag team partner. He's the analysis of the L-O-C. He's a man that put the honor back into Ring of Honor. He's a straight shooter on Twitter, and when it comes to wrestling, he has a radar from the main streets of Long Island. Yo, 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 what's going on? Well, a lot's been going on, Ryan, in the world of professional wrestling. Like, in the matter of two weeks, once again, there's so much shit happening. <laughs> Dude, I know. It's crazy, man. It's, it's always stuff happening, but there's a lot going on, especially now. Yeah, it, it's crazy, like, when we usually they skip a week, you know, due to, you know, we're busy doing something or whatever... Just for whatever reason, the ma- the amount of shit that does happen in two weeks, it's like very rare that we come on here. We're like, hey, not not much happened. Yeah, no, I know. It's like every single week, like it's. I feel like we can go like four hours with the amount of content and things that you know go on throughout the weeks. I mean, dude, wrestling is crazy, bro. The wrestling world is nuts. I've said it so many times mm-hmm. in the past. It's like there's always something happening. Like, yeah. It's just nuts. Yeah, like I, I'm looking at the list that we got now, and I feel like, you know, throughout the list, like there's so much content in here from like various promotions, not just like one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Besides that, Ryan, how are you, bro? Yeah, I'm alright, you know. Uh, same shit, different day. Yep. But, you know, hanging in there best I can, that's life, you know. What about you? The same, bro. Doing the best I can, you know, talking about future plans. You know, obviously we were having a conversation before about some stuff that we want to do. That's all we could do, bro. You know, just try to move forward in life and, you know, just try to enjoy the finer things. I know that's like a very cliche thing to say, but that's all we can do. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, what else can we do but move forward and try to live every day, you know, the best we can. And and yeah, that's it. We can only hope things get better over time, but, you know, who knows? That's all we can do, bro. All right, dude, give me two seconds because it's hashtag Rebel Time. It's funny when we normally, like, do, because obviously we're not on Facebook Live. We're just doing the um, just an audio form today because, you know, Leo's not here. When we normally do these shows, like, late night for whatever reason, obviously right now it's the morning. It's, like, 9-something in the morning. I normally don't drink a Red Bull and I just crack something else open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wishing I, uh, I could have a coffee right now. It's, too early. it's very early, but 
uh, you know, I'm not trying to be one of those guys that drinks coffee every day. You know, mm. like depends on it. So, dude, I'm. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I drink a lot of water too at work, but I usually have a rebel a day, one rebel a day. I mean, I'm sure that's not good for you, but yeah, I feel like definitely used to it. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's not good, but I feel like it kind of balances out since I'm drinking like a gallon of water like at work. So yeah. <laughs> that's the way yeah. I look at it. <laughs> That's how, that's how it makes you feel better. That makes me feel, at least mentally. Maybe not physically. Maybe not to my heart. But, like, mentally, it makes me feel better. I'm like, listen, I'm drinking a gallon of water at work. So, you know, it kind of evens out. Watch some, like, doctor. I don't know if there's, like, a doctor that listens to the show. He's going to send me, like, a long DM saying, like, stop drinking Red Bull. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much water you drink. Do not, stop, do not drink any more Red Bull. <laughs> All right, dude. Let's get started. So, Extreme Rules happened. What, what you thought of the show, bro? Did you enjoy Extreme Rules? I did enjoy Extreme Rules, yes, very much so. Um, did not watch it live, but I caught up on it uh, throughout the week. And, yeah, man, I thought it was great. Listen, I love, I mean, I, maybe it's just, you know, for these B pay-per-views. Um, yep. But, like, I just love, like, the format. Like, there's six matches. None of them dragged or went too long. Um, some of them were, were short, uh, you know, a lot shorter than I expected them to be. Uh, but that was quite all right. The show was well-paced. It flowed really well. Almost everything delivered, um, you know, with the exception of, like, maybe one or two things that were just like, eh, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of boring and, and not really that all that great, in my opinion. But for the most part, I thought the whole entire event was great. And uh, I just love everything that's going on right now in the, in the company. And it's just, it's just crazy to say because you look back a couple months ago – uh, you know, it just wasn't like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely enjoyed it. It was a really good show. Yeah, Extreme Rules kind of had like an NXT TakeOver vibe, in my opinion. Like, especially with the crowd atmosphere. And like you said, for a B-level pay-per-view, it did feel like a big deal. I enjoyed the show as well. Um, funny story, because I was in Atlantic City for GCW uh, Fight Club Weekend which we're going to get into in a little bit, but I was there, so I didn't get to watch it live, but, you know, at these GCW weekends, there's, like, so much shit going on, so we went to, like, a little, I wouldn't even call it, like, an after party, it was more, like, just kind of, like, a hangout spot um, that we went to, and, you know, you had uh, various different characters, and I'll leave it like that, that were in in this establishment that I was at, and in one TV, we had Extreme Rules on, which... Um, they were like, we kind of started from the beginning and then on the other tee, they had like the baseball game. I think it was like the Mets and the Padres on the mistake. I'm not a baseball guy, so correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. So, uh, the, and the other TV, they were watching that. So I watched, I want to say maybe 85% of the pay-per-view at Atlantic city. I wow. got to edge and Finn after that match. Then I watched the rest when I got home. And I ended up re-watching like, some of the matches. Like the latter match I thought was really good between Bailey and Bianca. Yeah. I ended up watching that again. And then obviously the the you know the, the fight pit match. But overall, I thought for a B-level pay-per-view, it was a pay-per-view that actually mattered. And, you know, credit to Triple H, bro, and Paul we trust. Yeah, I guess moving forward, he's going to make every single pay-per-view, no matter if it's a, you know one of the big four or the B-level ones, mean something. And I love that. That's great. Because for the longest time, these B-level pay-per-views were like, you look at the cards and you're like, 
like, what a waste of time. Like, why am I going to sit here on a Sunday night and watch this crap? It's basically an extended version of either Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, It's pointless, you know, and you feel like you waste your time. And I also feel bad for, like, people, like, when they see, like, oh, like, a pay-per-view's coming to town, you know? Like, just say, I don't know, like, uh, well, just say Extreme Rules is coming to Philly this weekend, right? Like, you know, in the years past when there's, like, barely any Extreme Rules matches outside of, like, the main event. And it's just like a, a shitty, pointless pay-per-view. It's like I feel bad for people who actually went out their way to buy tickets that were excited to go, thinking they were going to get, you know, a, a great show. And it's just kind of like a like a half-assed, like, you know, mailed-in show that, you know, no, doesn't even matter if you watch it or not, you know? But now everything means something. It's like you have to tune in. You have to watch. Everything feels special. The build to this pay-per-view was great in general, too. Um, and Yeah, yeah some may, some may argue... Some may argue and say that the build was actually better than the pay-per-view, and that's not taking away nothing away from the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view was good, too. Yeah, hey, listen, the one thing we've been missing is builds mm-hmm. to pay-per-views, you know? I mean, with the premium live events now on Peacock, you know, you don't have to charge $50 for these shows, so you don't really have to sell people on it. It's like, you know, people are going to watch it if they have this Peacock subscription or not, but, um, you know... It's it, yeah, man. The, the build is great, and like I said, it just it makes it that much better when the show ends up delivering too. Definitely, Paul. We trust, bro. So let's talk about. I think the highlight of the show, even though the show was good, and that's the return of Bray Wyatt. The how they did it, the presentation. I just thought everything was fucking phenomenal, and I know people are comparing. Well, some people are comparing. Like, what was the bigger pop? Cody Rhodes' WrestleMania return and Bray Wyatt's uh, return to Extreme Rules. I think you just can't compare them just because they were different. You know, from Cody's return at Mania, it was at AT AT&T Stadium, okay? This one was at Wolf Fargo Arena. It's the, the capacity level is just different. But what I will say is, yo, that crowd lost their fucking minds. Like, everybody knew it was coming, but just seeing Bray Wyatt back on your screen and then just the presentation and what it led up to it, I thought was just fucking amazing. I loved it. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by all this stuff with uh, you know, all these different creepy-looking figures that appeared. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he keeps teasing his Wyatt Six. Um, so, you know, we're all thinking that he's going to put together a faction of six people and you know i guess maybe like these kind of creepy looking characters that like popped up uh in the stands and the crowd and everything like that uh were like teasers of that but yeah i thought everything was just so freaking cool uh the music you know with the whole world in his hands stuff and uh you know that kind of door um they had on the entrance. Oh. I don't even know like exactly what it is, but then they showed like the Firefly Funhouse mm-hmm. set, and then they tied everything yeah. together. And that's one thing about it's got to be a brace creative mind how he works is he never ignores the past. Like even when he was doing like the Firefly Funhouse stuff and the Fiend stuff, he never ignored like the Wyatt family origins or anything like that. He kind of like ties everything together and. You know, now that Bray Wyatt is back, I think the bigger question is, like, it's not necessarily what they do next with him, whether it's a straight feud with someone or whatever. It's like, how are you going to keep this interesting? Because Bray Wyatt's definitely, like, in a, in a very different role compared to, like, everyone else on the roster. And what I mean by that is, like, his character 
is what outshines the most, right, than everything else. And that's not that saying that he's not a good wrestler or anything like that, but, like, you got to be very protective with that character. And now that Triple H is in the realm, I feel like you need to book Bray Wyatt when it comes to, like, an in-ring standpoint, kind of like MJF. And what I mean by that is, like, we shouldn't be seeing Bray Wyatt wrestle a lot. I think it only has to be, like, for, like, big pay-per-views and once in a while. you got to treat him like an attraction. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%, totally. Yeah, he, he's he's a special character, and um, you said it perfectly. He should be booked as an attraction because that was my biggest problem with the Fiend character. It's like, they did not protect that character very well, I feel like. I mean, nope. He lost a lot. And, um, you know, the biggest thing here is, like, how are we going to make this Bray Wyatt return and this, this run different than what he's been doing in the past? You know, he already became world champion back in the day. Um, yeah, it was a short run, but he he was WWE champion. Um, he's a for, he's a he's a former three time world champion. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He he you know he had the faction obviously with the Wyatt family stuff, the Firefly Funhouse, he was the Fiend and all that stuff. So how is this going to be different? And based on what we've seen between you know Extreme Rules and SmackDown, it seems like we're going to get like the split personality character. Yes. But I just want to know like how it's going to be different than what we've seen, you know? But, I mean, hey, I'm intrigued. I'm going to let it play out. Obviously, Bray Wyatt is uh, just so freaking creative. So everything he does, I'm just so, like, mesmerized by. And, um, you know, even, like, the little teasers backstage, I don't know if you caught them. I only I only noticed them because of everybody tweeting it out about how his logo appears backstage on yeah. different things when yep. they do backstage segments. Like, so, like, just unique. Like, I would never think to do that. And I'm, I'm not even looking at that either. Um, but like, it's just so cool how like everything he does matters and, and there's always some clues and some hints to what's going to happen next. They also, WWE did hire a a new, um, uh, I I think his name is Rob something. And apparently this Rob dude, he's done like stuff for like major, like motion pictures and he's really close friends with Bray. And I forgot where I read it, but someone was comparing him to, he could be like the next, what's my guy that works with The Rock? And he was in the Attitude Era, the writer, um, what the fuck is that? He just, he just came out with a book. I can't think of his name right now. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about too. It's holy like, shit, I can't believe um, I forgot his name. Uh, Brian Gortz. Yes. So they're calling this dude like the next Brian Gortz. Like that's how creative he is, so... I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing a factor too with a lot of stuff of Bray, or maybe that's like his assignment. Like you're gonna work with Bray, and that's it, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean, probably should. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Uh, he should not be on the show. Yep. Every single week, you know, because then he's gonna, you know, lose his luster a little bit. Like keep him special, keep him like, you know, coming here and there for a special occasion for the big pay per views, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I do, I do not want to see him every single week. And I know it's probably going to piss a lot of people off because people are going to be buying tickets uh, to see him. Right. But, and, you know, obviously with the ratings and stuff too, like they, they probably will bring him to TV every single week. But in my opinion, it's probably not the smartest thing to do. You know, you don't want to, pe- you don't want to get people turning on him. And, and like I said, just keep him special, man. Keep him a, a, an attraction. I don't think that's the worst thing. Well, listen, one thing that we that we could say, especially with the last, like, two weeks with, like, all the good stuff that we've been getting all around, not just WWE, is that people are going to complain no matter what. And oh, I, yeah. But, but I think with the Bray Wyatt stuff, it's like, why fix what's not broken? What I mean by that is, like, this, this shit that they're doing with Bray, like, telling these little stories in between, like, 
bigger things happening with like the QR code and then you know it, it instantly just starts going viral on social media with the white rabbit going different places and taking to like different scenarios or different gimmicks and this and that it, that's working because every time you see a QR code on these shows, people are going to fucking scan it. People are going to see what the hell's going on. People are fighting to see who's going to be the first one to put it all over social media. So that's working. Why not continue doing that? And it seems like to me, kind of adding on to your like like different personalities, it's like I think that's going to technically be his first feud. He's feuding with himself, and I think he's dealing with, like, he's like a schizo. Like, he has, like, different personalities. And, you know, if you don't have, like, a concrete, like, feud for him right away, why not for a couple me weeks or leading to, like, another pay-per-view or whatever, you kind of have, like, these different segments where he's kind of fighting himself, not physically, but you know what I mean, like, in his mind, and then it reveals to, like, a bigger picture, whether it's, like, a wide six faction or something else, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think that's I think that's probably going to be the case, as we saw. You know, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but like as we saw on SmackDown, too, mm -hmm. it definitely seems like he's you know talking about mental health and all that stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, you see a mask appear, and it's like, well, I guess you know the fiend character, or or if it's something else. Uh, but you know, it's trying to take over his mind and and make him something that he's not. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the, the the way it goes, and, and maybe we'll see that lead up to like survivor series or something like that where his new faction gets revealed because it definitely seems like we're headed towards a, a new faction with bray and I, and honestly i feel like we have to uh, right i feel like you know with the wire family with him and rowan and rest in peace uh brody you know I, I feel like when bray was in a faction like it was just it worked a lot better um you know than you know what we saw with the fiend you know he had alexa bliss and all that stuff but i just think uh you know having a faction behind him definitely makes his character way more intriguing in my opinion and also helps you know whoever else is going to be in the group as well which you know that could be speculated too now who is going to be the six people or the five people if bray counts as number six um to join him and i know i saw a couple of people on reddit um give their thoughts and mm -hmm. i don't know man it's it's i'm definitely intrigued it's gonna be really interesting me too uh, man me too I don't know. I, I like can't even predict like where they're gonna go with this because I legit have no idea. So I just go back to like the whole Wyatt family thing, and I just remember like the pops that the Wyatt family and the Shield would get when they would just face off, and the crowd like in the re listen if when we talk about like the last ten years of the WWE, and I don't get me wrong, there's like a lot of bad shit that you could pick apart from the, like the last decade of the WWE, but some of the good stuff was like those Shield and Wyatt matches and like just them facing off and not even touching each other and the people will lose their fucking minds. Yeah, dude, two of the best factions that we've seen in the last decade in WWE. I mean, classic battles and yeah, man. I, I mean, that was my favorite version of Bray Wyatt too when he was when he came out in those Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, the Eater of Worlds Bray Wyatt. You know, yeah, like that was that was my Bray Wyatt. So like when I saw him come out at Extreme Rules with the lantern and then he, you know, motioned to the camera and said I'm here mm -hmm. and blew out the lantern, man. I I definitely marked a little bit. Like that was awesome. Um, it was the dope, character yeah. was very interesting, but I don't know if we don't see that come back, I'll be okay. <laughs> but it looks like we're going to see some version of that uh, with that mask appearing on the screen at the end of SmackDown. So right. Also, people forget too about what the Wyatt family both. Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton were part of the Wyatt family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very true, yeah. Two more things on Bray Wyatt. Fast forward to SmackDown. What did you think of his new theme song? 
Um, it's definitely different. Definitely mm. not something I would expect. But I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either, but I missed the old one. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. And I, I think I'm going to get used to this one because it kind of has like a... It kind of has like a corn vibe, like the band Corn. It kind of has like a vibe like that. I hate the song, but I definitely miss the old one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's with a lot of things when they get introduced, like new theme songs and stuff like that. It definitely takes some time to get used to, and I think over time, the more and more you hear it, uh, the more you'll you'll end up liking it. That's usually what happens with me. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it it wasn't bad. It wasn't some of like. The, the worst theme songs I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes WWE changes a theme song; it's very generic and all that stuff. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't say that was this, the case. Here, no, 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 no. It's definitely going to take some time to get used to. All right. My last question on Bray Wyatt, and you might get confused when I ask you this, but I'm, I'm it's going to lead to like a, something bigger. So when you first saw Bray Wyatt, and I know you say you watch Extreme Rules on delay, but when you first saw like the reveal, it was Bray Wyatt. What was your first initial reaction? Like, what was your first thought the second you saw Bray Wyatt? Or like when you knew it was going to be Bray Wyatt? Like when you saw like all the different characters and shit. What was your first like thought? That's a good, that's a good question. Wow. There's a reason why I'm asking you this though, Ryan. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, my, my initial thought, well, like when I saw like, you know, all those characters and the masks and all that stuff, like the, there was a pig and then there was um, yeah. like this, this, you know, Huskis the pig, then you had um, Sister Abigail, you had um, the buzzard, you had the rabbit, rambling rabbit, you saw the fiend, and then you had like the whole montage of like the white rabbit on the screen, and then you get like the doorway, and then you get like that blue light, which people are saying like that could be like paying homage to to Brody, Brody Lee, and then you saw Bray Wyatt come out. So like, all right, so like when that point, when you saw Bray Wyatt, what was your first thought? Um, excitement. Right, like, right. You were excited, right? Perfectly yeah. fine. Excitement. Holy shit, that was me. Holy shit. Even though I expected it, I was like, "Holy shit, he's back." That and that. I think if you're if you're enjoying it for the moment, that would be your initial reactions. Like, "Oh my god, I'm confused, but I'm excited." Holy shit, what am I watching? Oh my god, Bray Wyatt's back. But there was a lot of people, and this is where I'm probably gonna like lose my shit a little bit. There was a lot of people that their first initial reaction was, fuck AEW and fuck Tony Khan. And I'm like, if if your if your first thought of seeing Bray Wyatt was that, after the man has been gone for close to two years, at least it feels like it's been two years for me, right? If that was your first thought, you're a fucking peckerhead. The amount of people that was like, fuck AEW, fuck Tony Khan. Oh my god, they got to be losing the shit. Like, why are you worried about that? Like, enjoy the moment of what it is. It's Bray fucking wide. He's back. Yeah, I mean, also, too, like, Tony Khan had over a year to bring in Bray Wyatt. He did not. And hey, I'm not, that's not a knock on Tony Khan at all. I, I don't think he should have brought in Bray Wyatt. I don't think Bray Wyatt fits anywhere except for WWE, so it ended up working out perfectly. But, I mean, yeah, like, dude, like, it, it had, this has nothing to do with them. When I watch WWE, I don't think about AEW. When I watch AEW, I don't think about WWE. And that's what separates me and you from the rest of these Packerheads. It's because to us, it's just not its not this war. What a bunch of losers, bro. A line. It shouldn't be divided between two fan bases. Like, just watch both and enjoy both. And 
Ugh, I mean, hey, listen, this is the wrestling community for you, man. It's very, very toxic at times. I'm going to blend this with another story that I want to I wanna, uh, get your thoughts on. But the amount of people that do what we do, right, that, that are either wrestling podcasters, content creators, or the amount of people that are actually working in wrestling, journalists, contributors, etc., that really have an agenda towards, like, either company or – I just – it, it just mind boggles me, the amount of people that just have that. Now, keep in mind, like, we live in the tri-state area, right? You know, you live in New York. I live in Jersey. So I'm talking about, like, the people that are like, out here in the nor- northeast, right? The amount of people that I see when shit like this happens on either side, right? Which I hate to even word it that way, but, like, there is this bad case of fucking tribalism in wrestling. But when something like that happens and your first thought is like fuck you AEW fuck Tony Khan you must be rolling in your grave ha 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 meanwhile when full gear is going to be in North next month your ass is still going to fucking go with all the amount of shit that you're still talking about the fucking company and Tony Khan so it's like it just it just it's it, I find people like that so fucking annoying and fake oh dude I, there's so many people that I especially when AEW first, you know, became a thing in 2019. They were, you know, there was the Wednesday Night Wars between WWE, NXT, and uh, and AEW. I saw so many people that were on the WWE side of things and bashed AEW and everything AEW, right? And then those same people I ended up seeing two months later when Full Gear was in Baltimore. You know, when me and you went to that, that that was like their first real pay-per-view ever since going on. Oh, that was the time you met Pentagon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What an experience. I'll never forget that. My first time meeting Penta. I was at Omega. Great guy. What a great guy. Great guy. Uh, But yeah, I mean, those same people that were bashing AEW were just there at the pay-per-view. And I was just very confused. And obviously, you know, I'm I'm above all this, so I'm not going to go over there. Right, 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 right. Wait, weren't you the guy from Twitter that, you know, was bashing on AEW? Because it's not that serious to me. Right. But it just, yeah, it's very hypocritical. It's very funny. And it's still going on to this day. It's like whenever AEW comes to town, everybody who shits on it ends up going anyway. So, like, you know, and vice versa, too. It's the same thing. Oh, absolutely. 1,000%. Yep. That bash WWE, and then they they jump the gun and go to the the pay-per-views when they come here. It's the same thing. Listen, a year ago, around the time that you had went to Survivor Series, I said on the show, I was like, listen, I have no interest in going to WWE shows until something changes. I'll still watch the product, whatever. I'm not going to try to focus too much on the negative unless there's something that I really, really don't like. But listen, I want WWE to succeed. We just want it to get better. Just because I enjoy AEW more doesn't mean that I want WWE to fail. I think... If you're a wrestling fan, you want all these wrestling companies to succeed, even companies you don't watch, right? Like, yesterday, last night, I was watching a little bit of AAA from Triple Mania. I'm watching a little bit of that. So, like, I want all these companies to, to succeed. It's it's not like a us versus them mentality, but a lot of people just have that agenda, which find it idiotic. I said last year, I was like, listen, WWE has to do something. That something's got to change for me to even have interest on going back to another show. And then around WrestleMania this past year... I was like, wow, like, you know, I kind of have intrigue on going back to a WWE show. WrestleMania, I thought, was a fantastic show both nights. And, yeah, there was ups and downs in between all that until we finally got Triple H to take over the whole company. And now the product is white hot. So that's why I want to go to Survivor Series. That's why I want to go to future WWE shows if if I can, you know? Yeah, of course. I mean, hey, listen, it's probably been good, you know? You don't go. You don't want to 
I'll spend money to go. I mean, that doesn't mean you hate you hate the, the company, you know. Or right. The, you know, you went company. to Survivor Series last year, and you said you was miserable. <laughs> it was terrible. Probably the worst event I've ever been to. Yeah, I mean, and I've been to a lot, so that's saying a lot. Uh, but, you know, but what it's going to be like literally night and day from last year's to this year. And again, it's thank you, Papa H, man. He's changed around the whole perception of WWE, and it's it's fun to watch again. It, it's it's you know you you turn into a raw and you're sm- and SmackDowns, and you're not you don't feel like you're wasting your time because everything has a purpose everything is must see in my opinion and uh, everything bleeds you know nicely from one week to the next and dude that's what i miss from the old days it's like damn i used to tune into monday night raw as a kid and it's like damn i can't miss anything yeah and then you know like you're just excited when when the next monday rolls around and i feel the same exact way now and it, it's a, it's just a great feeling it's, it's a long time coming yeah WWE right now is must watch television so i want to so what we just talked about right now like just kind of like the the tribalism and how people are just talking down on certain companies or just like oh this product is so great and this product isn't or like oh you know fuck whatever company i kind of want to blend this in with like the whole ariel halani of it all and ariel halani went on record saying i think it was uh, what was it friday or thursday i forget what day it was but he went on record saying that the Tony Khan interview that he conducted a week before was probably one of the worst interviews he's ever done, and he, it just was a bad experience for him. And I can't blame him, because if you go back and listen to the interview, right, with, with Tony Khan, Tony Khan is like, you know, if they was to ever do, like, a Dodgeball sequel, the movie Dodgeball, he should be in it, because he dips and dodges, like, everything you throw at him. Yeah. Right? And um, and I'm going to get to the Tony Khan of it all too because there's some things i want to say about him as well i thought what ariel said and i know a lot of people made a big deal about it and then Meltzer even said some comments too about it which i'm gonna get to that as well you know i'm i'm okay with ariel having that opinion you know ariel halani for the most part i think he he does his job very well and i think he's an honest dude the only issue i took with what he said was I think when you're in in the realm that he's in, right? If you're a journalist, if you work in in sports news, etc., right? I think at times you have to choose your words wisely, and you can't necessarily always have like not necessarily like an agenda, but or you have to kind of like remove your own personal feelings aside sometimes. And that's at least that's how I look at things. I could be wrong here. What do I know, right? But the only issue I had with Ariel was like. Oh, I know the AEW supermarkets are gonna come at me. It's like he didn't really have to say that. He, that's he. he up, yeah, he. Op- and maybe he did that initially to get traction. Because listen, we live in a world now that people would just put out anything out there just to be controversial, just to get traction. It's negative traction, but they will do that. They'll have like a stupid take or just say something really ignorant just to get traction for people that's the only thing i didn't like from him that he said but everything else that he said like it's clean like tony dodges a lot of different things and then i know Meltzer had his uh, like own feelings about what ariel said and he kind of like disagreed with like ariel's point of view when it came to certain things and he also didn't like like the marks comment but then like my beef with Meltzer too is like you know you say that about ariel because he kind of like Push the needle a little bit with Ariel saying like Ariel's like Team WWE without saying that like those words. But then on the flip side of that, I'm looking at Meltzer. I'm like Meltzer, you're a hypocrite too, because like sometimes you won't even acknowledge how great the WWE product is at times, and you're still like waving the flag for AEW and everything else. So it's like it seems like you also have an agenda too. So that's 
that, that's where I'm at. Like, you know, guys like Ariel and Melter, like, you guys are, like, like in the top of the crop, right? Like, you're up there. I just feel like you shouldn't have an agenda and wave, like, a certain flag. You should be waving everyone's flag and, you know, be supporting everything and not necessarily having an agenda unless they're, you know, on payroll, which there's also, like, the narrative where both Ariel and Meltzer are on payroll from other organizations, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the I did not listen to the Tony Khan interview with Ariel. Um, but I knew, as soon as I saw that he was interviewing him, that he was not going to be as open as Triple H was in the interview that Ariel did with him, I think, before... Yep. Um, the, the Clash of the Castle show. And that interview with Triple H was fantastic. And he really opened up and he really gave, uh, you know, a lot of in-depth answers. And, and it, you know, I mean, it, it was very enjoyable. Tony Khan does tiptoe around a lot of things. Now, I know Ariel was mad because he tiptoed around the backstage stuff mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. a lot. But, like, that's where I'm going to come to the defense of Tony. It's like, well, he can't really say much, okay? There's apparently... You know, an investigation going on. He can't really say much. And then Ariel said, "Okay, but that's that's fine. But like, give me your thoughts on how you're feeling, or something like that." And like again, I did not watch because I don't know what he said. But basically, Tony Khan interviews are all about promoting Dynamite and Rampage. That's basically what it is. He must he must rattle off. And I, I only know this because <laughs> I watch his barstool interviews because those are quick and short. And you know, right, right, right. Enjoy the barstool guys. <laughs> but you know, he God, the amount of times he says. Oh, this Wednesday on uh, TBS, eight, eight, uh, you know, AEW. going to be the greatest card. Rampage at 10, 9 Central. It's just like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, everybody who's watching this knows when these shows are on. Like, he just, oh, my God, at nauseam, he just keeps rattling it off time and time again. So it's like, it's kind of just like, in Tony Khan's interviews, like, it, it kind of seems like it's like kayfabe, you know? Because, like, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, it's almost like, you know, not opening up like to the point where it's like yeah well that's the point of an interview right so like, yeah i have no problems with ariel's you know opinion and all that stuff um i was surprised he did say that though because like i know he does watch aew he has praised aew in the past i'm like you know like i don't know you would think if you're a wrestling fan like you want to keep your your communication open with both companies where it's like you know maybe tony will invite you to a show to do media or something like that you know i don't know so i'm surprised he came out and said that outright well you know uh, you know who's not gonna get invited to aew shows anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, clearly, clearly, he should have known that. I'm sure he did know that before he, you know, opened up his mouth. But mm -hmm. then the fact, like, dude, him going off and on and on, dude, like several tweets, like adding on to the thread every five minutes, he was adding another tweet, and I was just like, Jesus Christ! Like for somebody who, like, in the beginning, made it seem like he didn't care about like all these, you know, about you know tribalism and all that stuff, he's certainly going off. To the point where oh, like, yeah. wow, it looks like you actually do really care. Oh, yeah. And, dude, like, it's like the Wednesday Night Wars between AEW and WWE, you know, with NXT and stuff, that ended a while ago. Right there. I mean, I don't even think to begin with there should have been the tri that type of divide and tribalism. But, you know, of course, you're going to get those people that watch one show and watch the other and then hate one. Oh, it can it, dude, it, yeah. it, it, it compared to where the Wednesday Night Wars was till now, it's gotten worse. And they're not even going head-to-head. -head. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you're not you're not far off on that at all. The fact that it's still happening is just ridiculous, bro. I mean, like, it's so childish already. It's so, like, like what's the point, you know? And the fact that Ariel Hawani, somebody who's, like, a, a well-known journalist, and I really like, I really enjoy these 
Yeah, me too. I, he's very he's very well respected in his yeah. interviews. That's why it came out of left field him saying that. Like, oh, I know like the AEW supermarkets. It's like, wow, bro. Like that's not something I would expect from you. I would expect it from you know one of these other dumb c- content creators or like podcasters or whatever. But not not him. You know. <laughs> himself down to like you know uh just a place where like he just doesn't need to lower himself to like he's above all this you know he should know better again he interviews like mjf he has aew stars on his shows too um so to kind of get this aew audience and yeah again i I understand that it's like if god forbid you say something bad it's like they'll all come at you i mean hey that's just the way it is man like that's they got passionate fans and uh whatever you say it doesn't matter if as long as you're praising AEW, you'll be on their good side. But if you say one bad thing about it, oh, forget about it. The world's coming to an end. But then also, I got to look at Tony Khan, too. And listen, Tony Khan doesn't do himself any favors either. All right? We got to also, you know, point that out, too. Just the fact that he makes himself very accessible, I think, is a problem. The amount of stuff he tweets out is a problem. The amount of times that he just mentions WWE and talks about, like, how we're a real competition for WWE. You know, this is the first time we're going to Canada. Real competition for WWE. Oh, I'm not going to take it anymore. Putting out another wrestling organization going, uh, you know, running the same weekend we are. Like, why do you fucking care? Do you think Clash at the Castle that was in another fucking country is really going to play a factor for your pay-per-view? You're out of your fucking mind. And I love Tony. I'm not one of these guys. Because let, let's be honest here. A lot of people have turned their back on Tony. Listen, the beginning of 2022, Tony, for the most part, was beloved. Yeah, there were some people that didn't like him. But it's not to the extreme that it is now. It seems like a good portion of the audience and people have turned their backs on Tony. And some and some of it is his own doing. But at the same time, it's like, I don't hate the man. I don't dislike the man. I still think he's a good dude. Yes, he he has made some poor decisions, but I don't think he's an evil guy. Not at all. Not at, dude, is he a clown sometimes? Yes, of course. You know, on Twitter, outside of Twitter, you know, yeah, of course he is. But, man, oh, man, like, if you're a wrestling fan, like a diehard fan, you got to be grateful for this guy. Yeah. Like, to the wrestling business. I can't imagine where it would be without him. The fact that, you know, all these things he's, he's done, and, yeah, I understand lately... He's been pissing well, me off a lot with these decisions and bringing these talent that he should really be bringing in a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, whatever. But, like, outside of that, like, yeah, like, this dude, he's, like, again, and I don't know him personally, of course. So it's, like, kind of weird for me to even say. But, like, I'm just going based on what everybody else says, too, and works for him. It's kind of just, like, this dude is not an evil human being no. at all. He's not, he's not a shit person like Vince McMahon was, okay? With all this stuff that Vince McMahon has done over the years, Vince McMahon, you could say he's a shitty human being. For Tony Khan to say he's a shitty human being, well, what's your backup on that? Like, what has he really done that makes him a shitty person? You know, I mean, like, it just, he, like I said, besides him being like a, a clown sometimes, but that doesn't make him a bad person at all. And, you know, I, I will always be grateful for Tony Khan. I don't, I'll never turn my back on him completely. Yeah, I'm disagreeing with a lot of the stuff that he's doing now. But of course. Overall, my goodness, I'm so grateful for this guy. Listen, if it wasn't for Tony and AEW, maybe this WWE resurgence wouldn't happen right away. You know? Yeah. Maybe it would have eventually got in there, but maybe not like where it is right now and i know a lot of people are going to be like oh well the vince mcmahon stuff did play the factor and of course it played a factor but let's also you know talk about 
how garbage the WWE product was for for years, okay? And and at the time, there were still a good portion of like the just the people that just strictly watched WWE trying to defend it. And it's like, what are you defending? The product is just not good. But yeah, the amount of people that has turned their back on Tony, it's it's was like wow, you know? It's like really like it, it's rough and. I also have a little bit of sympathy for Tony because this is while it's been a couple of years at this point, right? But Tony's in a weird position because Tony's a super fan. He's a super fan of wrestling, so he's stuck in the between where, and I think that's the reason why sometimes he acts out of character in these interviews and these press scrums because he's stuck in between being the CEO and the booker of the organization and then just being a super fan. And I don't know how he, I don't think he really has gotten like a good grip on balancing that. That's why I feel like if, this is just me, if I was Tony, I would take a backseat and just focus on the business and the booking aspect of things and just don't show face. Have someone, one of your, one of your inner circle people, right? Be the face at these scrums, at these like, press conference or whatever and just take a back seat role and stop being so vocal and stop being so accessible to all these people and have other people talk for you i think he should go in that direction because i feel like the more we see tony the more people are going to just have like this negative tone towards him yeah and get off of twitter too that's who yeah stay off twitter stay off twitter (laughs) one thousand percent yeah no i mean he listen he acts like a mark, bro. He acts like a legit wrestling fan instead of a boss sometimes, and I think that's why a lot of people can't view him seriously. And you know, uh, you know, a lot like you said before, he doesn't help himself out either. You know, like with some of the dumb things he does and the facial expressions and those weird awkward hugs. Like, yeah, let me listen. Like, it doesn't bother me, and it's not done in. Yeah, like, man. It's a, you know, listen. It's, it's a bro like, hug, but like, it's just. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Like, how can you, like, I understand people that do like shit all over that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, and, I, and at the end of the day too, it all comes down to he needs more help backstage. He needs, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, yeah, like you said, like if somebody else could be there at the scrums, I don't even mind him being at the scrums. But like, I don't know, just take himself, like, like I said, off of Twitter, and you know, like, put some more people in charge. I mean, you got some brilliant minds backstage. Utilize them more instead of taking on everything yourself and and just uh, I don't know. I think that would definitely help too. Because mm-hmm. if like William Regal. Is, is right helping run the show right like yeah a lot of people yeah. shit all over it as much because people respect William Regal you know and and it's just like things like that like Tony Schiavone's and stuff like that um you know it wouldn't all be like oh what Tony Khan's doing this bad like no it'd be like well William Regal is too and like William Regal is you know obviously a well-known wrestling mind so let's let's paint the picture real quick and, and this is all like you know kind of like going back to the past right so like let's say Let's rewind back to the press scrum after All Out, okay? Let's paint the picture, boom. CM Punk had his mindset of doing what he was going to do. But instead of Tony Khan sitting there, let's say it was someone like a Christopher Daniels, someone like a William Regal. Hell, if Cody Rhodes was still in the fucking company, do you think that would have went down the way it did? Absolutely not. Christopher Daniels, William Regal, even Cody Rhodes would have gotten up there and he's like, listen, we are not doing this right now. Yeah, yeah, Cody Rhodes was... Cody, I, if you, you remember, he used to do um, though you know like like, like pay per view weeks, but I do those like media calls. Yeah, the media um, calls, absolutely, one thousand percent. Yep. Oh, instead of Tony Khan, so yeah, I think they need a, they definitely need somebody like a Cody Rhodes to represent. Uh, it's tough though because like, you know, Cody 
who was a big part of starting the company. Mm-hmm. And the only other guys who have that is the Young Bucks and, and Kenny. And I don't know. I just I can't really see them being like the way no, Cody No, nah, not like Cody um, was. But, like, let's take someone like a William Regal. Someone like a Christopher Daniels. Like, if they were, like, if, yeah, if they were sitting next to Punk when he was about to go on this tirade, I'm telling you, that wouldn't have not happened. That wouldn't happen. Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, it would have been a good question. I mean, he probably still would have went ahead and did it. But do you even think CM Punk would have even thought about doing it if one of those guys were even there? I just feel like Tony is too much of a pushover, you know? Oh, 1,000%. 1,000%. So it's like... If, if you had Cody sitting right next to Punk, would Punk still have said those things? I really wonder. I mean, maybe, maybe. But, like, I just feel like the fact that Tony was there, he just definitely felt even more like... Maybe it would have been worse, bro. Maybe, maybe it would have been bro worse. Like, Cody would have told him, like, no, you need to stop right now. And then Punk would have tried to get aggressive with them. And then we would have seen, yeah, like, a, honestly, a yeah. big brawl. We would have seen, like, a big brawl in the scrum. And that would have made for some great TV. Oh, right in front of the cameras. Oh, uh, people would have thought that they were shooting an angle. <laughs> oh, they would have had to make that make that into an angle. God, that would have been that would be absolutely crazy. <laughs> oh my god! Just kind of going back to just everything that you know with the Tony Khan stuff and then the Ariel Halani stuff. It's just I just feel like when when guys like Halani and even Melser to a degree when they when they say certain things on how they personally feel about stuff they're 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 not helping the cause and they're they're you know they're putting more of a divide not not for people like me and you because we have brains but like what i'm just saying like and we enjoy everything we want everyone to succeed but like they're just putting more of a divide to the people that just have like this peckerhead fucking view on wrestling where it's like i'm team this and i want the other company to fucking fail yeah as if they get paid by one company yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it's stupid. Again, watch what you want. You have no, you don't need to have any loyalty, you know, to one side. It's just, listen, it's always going to be like this. We get horrible, you know, we've said this time and time again how ridiculous it is, but this is the community for you. These are the peckerheads, and uh, yeah, this is the type of fan base that, that pro wrestling has. Yeah. So, in other words, if, you, if you're just one of these fucking idiots that just have. Like, ha, 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 Bray Wyatt showed up, fuck AEW, or like, oh, or even on the other side, too, like, oh, fuck WWE. If you have that type of fucking mindset, you're a fucking loser, and go go fucking jump off a hill somewhere or something. I don't fucking care. <laughs> All right. Speaking of loyalty, because you mentioned the word loyalty. You know what two guys are very, very loyal, and they're great guys? Let's hear it. The Good Brothers. Doc Gallows, <laughs> Carl Anderson... They're back in the WWE, the OC, baby. Let's throw it up because they're back with my boy AJ. And listen, there was rumors leading up to this return, okay? It was all over the internet saying like, hey, the OC, AJ, the Good Brothers were were filming some stuff in Washington, D.C. But then people were speculating like, oh, does that mean that Carl's going to drop the Never Openweight Championship to Hukuleo in November? What's going on here? But uh -uh, that did not happen because... Out of nowhere in Brooklyn, the Good Brothers show up. They're decked out in OC gear. They're throwing up the two sweet. And did Brooklyn lose their fucking minds? Man, what a fucking moment. They're fucking brawling with Judgment Day. Dominic Mysterio is getting his ass handed to him. Ah, oh, I loved it, bro. Good, great shit. The real Forbidden Door of the Good Brothers, man. That's the real <laughs> Forbidden Door right there. How crazy. 
you know, the same thing happened recently with Soraya in AEW. Yeah. It's like earlier on in the day, I read that, you know, she had talks with AEW. Same thing here. I heard that the Good Brothers um, are probably on their way back to WWE. And then the same night, they both debut. Like, it's just crazy. Like, Deadly did not think that it was going to happen this soon, but I thought the way it was done was very well done. Um, you know, it's funny. It's another case, though, of like, you know, two guys, well, maybe not two, maybe just one, Carl Anderson, who just shit all over WWE. Um, you know, he said so many different things about them in interviews and stuff, and there was a tweet going around of a screenshot that he, uh, you know, responded to Sean Ross app when he said something about WWE, and Carl Anderson was like, they suck, bro. You know, and it's mm-hmm. just like when, and I understand that was the Vince era, and this is the Triple H era, the yep. Triple H guys, but like, you know, it just, it goes to show, like, when that phone lights up again, all these people run right back, and it's very, it's getting very hypocritical to the point where it's like, when people leave WWE now, unless it's somebody like Mox, who just signed a five-year extension with AEW, he's not going back, he had his reasons, he hated being there, blah, 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 but like, I look at a guy like Chris Jericho, too, specifically, who I know is going to go back there one day, and he's talked so much crap about the company over the years, and it's like, He's going to go back as soon as they want him back, as soon as he's done with AEW. And I don't know. It's just kind of getting old. You know what I mean? Like, you leave, you talk crap, and then you go run right back. It just looks very hypocritical. But with that being said, I am happy to see them back. I think that's the perfect spot for them. They fit well there. Um, if Triple H is trying to get this tag division back to where you know yep. it should be, um, it's they're perfect guys for that. They fit into this AJ Finn Balor storyline. Like, like a and, glove. Like a glove. And, yeah, hey, listen. They're Triple H guys, and Triple H loves them, and, uh, you know, hey, good for them. It's good to see them back. I wonder, uh, what is this, Doc Gallows is, like, 17th run. Like, I thought about that, too. I'm like, geez, he's back again. So, I have a different um, point of view when it comes to, like, a lot of these talents just kind of talking smack about WWE when they, you know, get released or, like, you know, the contract negotiations kind of just, like, you know, they just fail and they end up going to another company. See, like, Carl Anderson... More Carl than Doc when they first got released. They were they were bitter, but definitely Carl. Carl was really really bitter about it because I used to listen to like the Talk and Shop like podcast with Rocky Romero, and obviously like the Talk and Shop of Manias, the amount of sh- shots they took at WWE. But you know they're wrestling fans at heart, right? So like the way I look at it, it's normal for someone to be bitter in the beginning, right? It's like when you break up in a relationship, right? You're gonna you know regardless on how the relationship went, there's probably gonna be some hurt feelings there. There's gonna be some bitterness there, but. As time progresses, you know, some of those feelings are going to eventually fade away a little bit, depending on, like, the degree on how things end. You know, obviously, like, I'll give you an example. Like, let's say, you know, a past relationship that you was in or whatever, and let's say and things ended south for whatever reason, right? At first, you're going to be like, yo, fuck this individual. I never want to see their fucking face again, right? Nine times out of ten, that's probably the attitude you're going to have, right? But as months pass by, as years pass by, not saying that, that person is going to be your favorite person, but you're not going to necessarily have that ill will anymore as you once did before because the things were so fresh in the beginning, right? When it comes to the Good Brothers, listen, at the end of the day, money fucking talks, okay? So at first, they probably had, they were probably feeling a certain type of way, more Carl than fucking Doc. And then as time progressed, you know, whatever, and Triple H took over and, you know, they still got their buddies like AJ and Finn Balor. Yes, I know they're feuding with them now. But just the fact that they still have friends over there, 
they're like, you know what, man? Now more than ever, it probably feels like a perfect time to go back to the WWE. And if they're getting paid, why not? And now there's rumors that, you know, it's still like a bit gray, but it seems like they're still going to do New Japan work at least till WrestleMania 17. You know, possibly Carl Anderson dropping the Never Open Weight Championship to Hukuleo, or maybe he still holds the title. It's still rumored that they're going to work that show, and then that's it, right? And then Jay White's over there fucking shouting them out at Wrestle Kingdom 17 press conference. I'm like, holy shit, bro. Maybe the Forbidden Door is not necessarily wide open, but like, hey, we're playing nice with each other. And I think this is great for wrestling overall. Yeah, no, it totally is. I mean, absolutely love to see it. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys, you know, like you said, jumping over from one company to the next. I mean, one night they're in New Japan on, on Strong or whatever, and again, he's holding an NJPW uh, title, and now he's on Raw, and he's still going to appear at, at the New Japan shows. It's like, yeah, I mean, you'll love to see it. It's absolutely great. It's, it's literally what we've always wanted, like mm-hmm. just play nice with each other because why the hell not, you know? Um but yeah, I mean, no, I, I totally agree. And listen, I don't, you know, I don't, um, you know, hate them for coming back or anything like that. I don't blame them for coming back. I mean, listen, like you, like you said, money talks. It's a new era. Uh, you know, the Vince era is done. It's the Triple H era. They got friends over there. They're going to be working with Finn and, and AJ again. It's just like, yeah, totally. I 100% get it. Um, but, you know, it's just sometimes I look at it and I'm just like, oh, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, Matt Hardy did it too. I mean, there's so many yep. different guys who talk crap and then they just go back and it just looks funny to me but yeah ultimately i understand the bigger picture there but um point being is that they're back and hey we'll, we'll see what this run has in store for them because you know i mean you can't really say they had a bad first run you know they, they were tag champs they got to work with aj a lot um you know maybe there's just some unfinished business there with aj um, I, but, I tell you, you what, because like AJ's always been over, right? No matter if he's a heel or a face, like he always gets pops. Like even as a heel, it was like always very hard to boo AJ, right? And I'm and listen, I might be a little bit biased here because I'm like a, such a big AJ Styles mark. I have no problem saying that. But what I will say is like AJ has been kind of in limbo for a while. The second that the OC came back, and now they're paired up with AJ again. AJ instantly became even more important. Once again, in the snap of fingers, he became more important again. And AJ has really great on-camera chemistry with the Good Brothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, it definitely helps that they got history behind them, too. So it's just like they're a perfect match for each other whenever they're on screen at the same time. And, yeah, I agree. That's... It's AJ Styles definitely feels more important now. And, I'm, you know, for as big of a fan of, of AJ Styles as I am, He's been coming on screen, you know, lately. I'm talking about like the last few months, and I'm just like, yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, Never he's been in limbo. Yep. About AJ freaking Styles, mm-hmm. but yeah, now he comes on the screen. It's like, okay, now, now he's interesting again. I just love how, like, if you're, like, a former Bullet Club member, no matter, like, even if it's, like, if you're a Bullet Club member after, like, the AJ Styles era, I just love how all of them acknowledge him as Uncle Alan. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's hilarious, bro. And the thing is, like, you know, AJ, not saying that he's old, but he's, like, in his 40s, right? But the man still wrestles like he's still in his 20s. Oh, yeah, dude, I know. It's, it's, It's amazing. Just doesn't age. It doesn't age at all. All right. Um, I guess we could tie this in with like some of the stuff that we just talked about now. So this past week on SmackDown, we see this segment, which I really love. And I'm going to tell you why. So Rey Mysterio shows up and he confronts Triple H and he starts telling them how, you know, he just can't do this anymore. Uh, this, this whole Dominic situation has taken such a toll on him. 
and he just wants to quit, right? And the reason I love this segment so much is because, listen, it blurred the lies between kayfabe and reality. And what I mean by that is we all know Triple H is running the show now, right? It, it, Triple H is probably, like, the most, like, favorite person right now in wrestling. Just, like, the just the amount of changes he's making in the WWE, and he's bringing people back, and the product is just so good, right? But, like, in this in this segment, they kind of they kind of gave us this gray area where Rey Mysterio's telling his boss, I want to quit. And I just love Triple H's reaction because he's just, like, he's, like, oh, oh, he's just shaking his head. He puts his hand on his face, and it's, like... He's the booker. Of course he would react this way, right? And then he's like, listen. No, he goes like, I can't even imagine what you're going through right now. But listen, let me try to make this right. Come on, come into my office and we can work something out. I just love the little details of that. We got this announcement. Even, even that, you know, now Mysterious on SmackDown, which to me kind of doesn't really make sense. Because, like, the they obviously have not given a shit about the brand extension. But I just really love the segment. How it was produced and how it came out on TV. Well, the thing is, it does make sense because of the way they did it. They explained it perfectly of why he's on SmackDown now to get away from the Judgment Day. It's too heartbreaking to mm-hmm. see his son in that way. He's not going to fight Dominic. And I just love the explanation behind it. I mean, mm-hmm. too, like, this is what I've always wanted. Yeah, we just want things to make sense. It's <laughs> really not asking too much. And finally, something makes sense. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. I was, I was, dude, I was marking out for this. I, I love the segment. I, I, explanation. I, yeah. I love the segment. I think it was, you know, with all the stuff that we got in SmackDown, I think this was, like, one of the most underrated segments on the whole show. Yeah, no, totally, 100%. And, and listen, this is their way of, like, you know, if they want to drag this out, which I definitely think they're going to at this point, mm-hmm. where it's, like, we're eventually going to get this Reign dominant yep. match, whether it happens at the Royal Rumble or it happens at WrestleMania, which I think it should happen there. Um, you know, it's a good way to keep Ray away from them without having to, you know, uh, write him off the TV and, and, and keep him off the show. You just have him on the other show, and that's 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 it. Like, it's perfect, and he's back on SmackDown where he belongs. That's his home. Yep, And, yep. Uh, you know, he's going to get an opportunity at Gunther now. Which oh. is a fun little match, feud, whatever. I mean, like, see the way Gunther come around. That'll, that should be interesting. Is there yeah. any chance we're going to see Gunther throw Rey Mysterio, launch him, like launch how, him. Um, how my guy... Um, What's his face um, from GCW? Um, damn, I can't, I can't think of his name like right now. Holy the shit. Yeah, the guy that threw Marco into the crowd. Is there any way we're going to see Gunther throw Rey Mysterio like that? <laughs> Oof, yeah. I don't know. Uh, probably not quite like that. But Shane Mercer. There you go. I'm thinking of Shane Mercer. Dude, that'd be, that'd be unbelievable. <laughs> uh, ugh, that's that's going to be a weird, a weird dynamic between those two. I think it's going to still be a really good match, though. It's going to be a contrast of styles, but I think it's going to be a good match. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the whole entire thing with Ray, it's just, it's great. It, it literally is awesome to, to see, like I said, explanation on things and just, like, just to keep this storyline going. I don't know. It just it's, adds another layer, too. It's yep. like, oh, well, Ray got away from Dominic and Judgment Day, so now are they going to come for him on SmackDown? Like, you know, it just keeps things fresh, you know? Yeah, great stuff, bro. I just love... I love how Mysterio's now on SmackDown, even though the brand extension doesn't mean shit. But they they gave us an explanation. I love the segment between Triple H and Ray. I love Triple H's reactions to it because you know he's the Booker. I I just loved everything. Go all around, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It was a uh, it was one of many great things on that SmackDown mm-hmm. show. More on on great stuff that we're getting from WWE, bro. Sami Zayn, man, the Sami Zayn Jay Uso stuff. So good from the opening of the show, 
when Roman calls Sammy and they're talking and then Jay, this is not to discredit Jay because he's doing such a great job. But right now, he's torn. He's angry. He's even playing like a little bit of a bitch when it comes to Roman. But just this story they're telling. They're telling so many different stories within the bloodline. I just love it, bro. I just love the direction on how this is going. But I necessarily don't want to see the breakup yet. Like, I want them to drag this as long as they can. Because they could tell so many different stories with what they're telling us right now. Like, a lot of different, like, scenarios could happen. You know? Like, it's kind of like the opposite of... You remember what, remember in the Avengers movies how Doctor Strange was, like, going through all these different scenarios to figure out how they defeat, like, Thanos. And it was only one, like, scenario where they defeat Thanos. Well, in this case... The, the the possibilities of stories they could tell us is endless. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. 100%. I, I'm a, in total agreement with you. I want this to drag out as long as freaking possible because I can't get enough, man. Sami Zayn absolutely cracks me up. I mean, I never, ever would have thought he'd be this entertaining in this group. I mean, I, like, he's a very, he's probably one of the most entertaining characters in sports entertainment. I mean, really. Absolutely. 1,000%. That's top of the list. But man, like, just the fact that, like, I never thought he would fit into the bloodline storyline to begin with and the way they just, he's just taking the ball and just completely run with this and it's getting over and everybody's behind him. He was the, he was the number, he was, he was the most over in Brooklyn. Like, you know, the bloodline is over. Like, the bloodline right now, overall as a group, they have this, like, very cool factor, right? Kind of like NWOS, because that's how cool it is, except you don't have, like, 20 different members in the group. But, like, they kind of have that NWO cool factor, but you have Roman Reigns, which is, like, the top of the top. Sammy was the most over in the whole group in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, and you could tell the, these, the other members, too, enjoy working with Sammy. 1,000%. I, I forget, I don't I don't think it was in Brooklyn, it was I think on, on SmackDown maybe last week. Roman literally had to turn away from He couldn't he couldn't stop laughing, bro. He, he couldn't do it. Yeah. He could, couldn't and do it. Flame. I don't know how he like holds up at all ever because I would just crack all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just it works so perfectly and I do not want it to end. So yeah, keep this going. You don't need the breakup. Like you said, you can tell so many different stories. I don't even think they scratched the surface with this yet. That segment that you're talking about where Roman broke, right? That same segment, that was when, uh, remember how Roman was uh, talking to, no, no, actually I'm lying. It's not, it wasn't that segment. It was this past week on Monday. He's putting everyone over, right? He's putting everyone over except Jay. Jay had to put his head down. I don't know if you noticed this, but Jay had to put his head down because he wanted to laugh because he just like, this is so fucking ridiculous, but so good at the same time. He had to put his head down because he was he was ready to break. He was ready to break. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, I can't blame them. <laughs> you know, like it's uh, it's something where it's like they're gonna. I mean, I obviously they don't, but they they should start pre-taping some of these backstage things. It, it might have been the Uzi line. It might have been the Uzi line where <laughs> where Jay's like, "All right, I'm putting my head down," and Jimmy just doesn't care. He just laughs throughout the whole the whole segment. Oh, Anytime yeah. there's like like bloodline segments and Sammy gets on the mic, Jimmy just lets it out. And I think that's yeah. another reason why Sammy said that. Like, oh look at look at Jimmy. Who doesn't love Jimmy? Look, he's always smiling and shit. He just doesn't care. He'll just gonna laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It's for sure. It's uh it's so freaking entertaining, man. I can't get enough. It's 
it's it's definitely the best thing going in WWE right now. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on, but it's definitely at the top of my list of like things I'm interested in and go out of my way to watch the most is uh, you know all the Sami Zayn segments with with the bloodlines. Just so funny too. Like even during their entrance when they all come out, so serious, and even the back just jumping up and down like a little kid. Like oh, it's just it's it's pure gold, man. And Sammy's such a pro too, because while he is reading the room and he knows like, okay, this I have the crown in the palm of my hand, he's not selfish. He still no. makes everyone else in the ring he's with, like the, the rest of the blind line, he still makes them the, 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 the focal point, if you will. Like he doesn't, sometimes, you know, it, it's got to be hard for like a, a talent where you're in, the, in this position where you could do whatever the hell you want and you know you're going to get a pop. But in, instead, he's such a pro that he still puts everyone he's in the ring with over, you know? Not saying they yeah. need to be put over, but he just still makes them the focal point, you know? Yeah, no, I think he realizes that he's kind of lucky to be in the position that he's in to be working with Roman, who is obviously the, the biggest star in the, in the company, mm-hmm. and the bloodline's the biggest thing in the company. And, you know, the fact that he got over and then they're, they're running with this and they're they're going all in, I, I think he's appreciative of it and knows it's like, well, this was originally, like, not supposed to happen. Like, this, I was not supposed to be here. Um, so, like, while I'm here, I still also have to make sure that the focal point is Roman and the Usos and, you know, all, all them. So... Uh, yeah, but that's like you said. That's that's him. He's a total pro, and he's been around the block, uh, you know, a couple of times before. He's a complete veteran. He's been in the business for so long. That's that's what you want. Yep, yep, one thousand percent. All right, dude. I'm gonna bring something up right now, and I'm not sure if you're gonna have much to say about it or if you have any thoughts. But I'm gonna bring it up. So probably one of the most like underrated shows that happened last weekend was Bound for Glory. And I know we cracked jokes on like, wow, you really got some stiff competition because not only do you have SmackDown that's been killing it the last couple of weeks, maybe months at this point, is that you have a doubleheader with AEW with Rampage and, and Battle of Belts, which overall I thought those two hours were done very well. And I thought that that might be something that AEW needs to consider of like doing Battle of the Belts live right after Rampage, because it, it just, I don't know, to me, it felt like kind of dynamite light, like, in, in a good way, where it just felt like both shows mattered, right? But Bound for Glory, they had some stiff competition, but overall, the, I thought the show was really, really good. I thought Josh Alexander, Eddie Edwards put on a phenomenal main event. I thought Jordan Grace versus Masha Slamovich. Masha Slamovich, if you don't know who this girl is, man, she's 23-24. She's so fucking young, but... Holy shit, she's gonna she's gonna kill it no matter where she goes after her impact run is over. Whether she gets goes to the WWE or she goes to AEW or maybe she just wants to linger throughout like these different promotion promotions. But she's like a phenomenal talent. But overall I thought Bound for Glory was really, really good. But there was two questionable booking decisions where I'm like, huh. Yeah, there was one big one and then there's one that I kinda see where they're going. But and I'll, and I'll and I'll start with that one first, and that's Kazarian winning the X Division Championship. I, obviously, we saw how the story progressed this past week. He's gonna cash in his option C, where he's gonna face Josh for the world title. I kind of get that, but I feel like we could have still gotten that match without him winning the X Division Championship and taking it off from uh, Mike Bailey. But whatever, no big deal there. I don't think people are necessarily hating on Kazarian winning the X Division Championship, but it's like. 
listen, you're an AEW guy. You don't necessarily need to win the X Division title again to get like a world title shot. But whatever. That's debatable. Now, the big questionable booking decision, which I just don't get why, is Bully Ray in, 2000, in 2022 is winning the Call Your Shot Battle Royal. And now he's going to get a world title shot whenever he wants to get one. I just feel like that's unnecessary. I don't need to see Bully Ray in a main event storyline. I just don't care for it. Listen, dude, this is my biggest problem with Impact, okay? Literally nobody likes Bully Ray anymore, bro. Nobody, okay? Nobody in 2022 wants to see Bully Ray. And Impact just, I mean, like, they just don't read the room clearly. Like, I don't understand how you could bring this guy back. And, like, okay, if you're going to bring him back for the Battle Royals, that's, you know, still bad, but, like, whatever. I, listen, I was hoping Matt Cardona was going to win. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, yeah. They, they think Bully Ray is a better choice, clearly. And not only did he just win, he's number one contender. Now, bro, I'm not going to – listen, I don't think Impact is this stupid to put the title on him, right? I mean, I, I really don't think they are. But just the fact that he's getting this opportunity just is so mind-boggling to me. Like, this is the biggest problem with Impact I just, uh, you know, like, I saw so many people criticizing it, not one single person praising it. And, like, dude, for a show that you have that's supposed to be your biggest show of the year, it's happening on a Friday night that nobody's watching to begin with, and you're going to pull something like this? Not good. to make people even not want to tune in even more? Not good. I don't know, man. Like, it's just so, like, and then I saw, you know, um, I guess this happened on the pre-show where Fandango was uh he challenged uh brian myers didn't watch the pre-show so i don't know didn't watch the pre-show so i don't know dude like i mean like you're bringing in dirty dango bro like nobody cares about these guys and that's the problem uh you know like i said i didn't watch the pay-per-view obviously so i can't say that the show itself was good or bad um but oh man i see these two decisions like that's the highlight that's the I'm reading over like what happened at Bound for Glory, and I'm seeing Bully Ray returns to the number one contender, and I'm just like, like Jesus, like this is just so bad, you know. But like I said, I don't want to, you know. I know we, we made fun of them last week. We like to have fun here. They've become the new Ring of Honor. They've become the new Ring of Honor. No, 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 I'm not killing another promotion. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm all for all wrestling, but man, I just wish <laughs> Impact could. Uh, the thing is, the show was really good, except. You know, I, see, I didn't even know about Fandango being on the pre-show. Didn't even know that. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but besides the, you know, the show overall was was good. It, it was just obviously they were in a rough spot with everything else that was going on, and then also, you know, the the whole booking decision with with Bully Ray, and it's like, read the room. Matt Cardona would have been the perfect guy to face Josh Alexander. Perfect guy. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone like an Ace Austin or a Chris Bay. Chris Bay just signed a new uh, year with with Impact. So it's like they have great talent. It's just like use that talent. Yeah, and and that that goes with the same thing with your Kazarian point where he's beating Speedball Mike Bailey. Like why, bro? Like why? Like again, no no offense to Kazarian either. I mean, listen, great worker, great talent. Respect everything he's done. The mm-hmm. business. 
votes 2022 who gives a fuck about Kazarian right you know like I think people want to see Mike Bailey but, but you know what but you know but you know what when the Bully Ray shit happened they were like you know we're cool with Kazarian we just don't want to see Bully Ray <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> oh, oh man Listen, and we're, when we're talking about breakout stars of the year, Steve Macklin is definitely on that list because the dude, and, and I know a lot of people that don't watch Impact or whatever, was like, oh, the guy that was in WWE part of, uh, what was that group called? The Forgotten Sons or whatever. Oh, he yeah. real forgotten. Yo, the guy has been putting in that work and he's been having some great matches, you know, in the last like year or two. He's been putting on some really, really good matches, bro. Yeah, I saw some clips. And, and again, because I, I don't watch Impact. Like, I don't. It's just like, I don't know, to, to invest in it. Right, right, right. Like, I understand. Show. Like, and also, I don't have time. And I also, like, can't really get into it myself. But I'm still, like, I still follow on social media. So I still, like, I'm, I'm not, like, unaware of things that go on there. But I saw that he was, like, involved in something with Sammy Callahan. And he was, like, bleeding and all that stuff. I guess it was, like, a death match or something like that. Yeah, yeah. An impact version of a death match. And, man, like, dude, like, it looked like he absolutely killed it and really showed up and showed out. And, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I mean, 100%. He could be a breakout star of the year or one of them. Uh, man, it's yeah, it's crazy. But like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, Impact has a lot of good things going for them, mm-hmm. but then they got more bad stuff going. Yeah. And that's the thing. If they can just erase all that bad stuff, um, you know, it's just it's, I, I don't know if they would they would be they'd be they would definitely be better off. I don't know if they'd be to where you know you'd want them to be, but I think more people would maybe look at them and respect them a little bit more. But when they do shit like this with Kazarian beating their young talent and Bully Ray coming in to be number one contender, and yeah. it's just like, uh, like you know, oh, you're hyping up this surprise entrant coming out to face uh, Brian Myers, and it's Fandango. Like, bro, oh. nobody, I could guarantee you, there's not one fan of Dirty Dango out there. No, no diehard fan that wants to see this guy, and, and they just bring him in. It, it, it just like become a place for like jobbers. And it's a shame, and I hate to be saying this, because, again, I'm like this guy who's like, oh, support all wrestling, and then I'm over here shitting on Impact, but it's just like... No, well, yeah, it's well, you're not. You, it's not that you're me. shitting on Impact. It's just you you don't understand the creative decision because you 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 just went on record and also said, listen, I want Impact to exist. Like, Impact needs to be in this realm. It's just I, you're just not feeling the booking decision with Bully fucking Ray. I don't want to see Bully Ray in my wrestling promotion in 2022. That's, that's all I'm saying. Just two two last things. So you know how we've been saying in Paul we trust. Well, maybe we need and and in Paul and not in Paul, but like in Conrad and Jeff we trust. Maybe they could save Impact. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, listen, hey, I don't know what they're waiting for. They should do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, step in there because again, you've got a decent looking foundation. Again, all those guys they straddle up, these young guys, they have some good talent there. And I think I just saw that Chris Bay. Just yeah, with him. signed a new deal. Yep. He's like a loyal guy, yep. you know. He likes being there. So it's like, listen, like now is the time, you know, mm-hmm. to hop on this and and bring impact back to, or hopefully try to at least bring it back to, uh, you know, being one of the top wrestling promotions. So people don't just say, oh, AEW, WWE. Oh yeah, and then you got impact over there. It's like, well, obviously. 
obviously Impact will never have as much money as, as AEW, WWE, and probably never be as mainstream, but at least make an effort to the, make it there. There is room, there is room for now. Impact, and we need Impact because... And, and that kind of goes back to the, the, the what I was saying before about, like, this whole tribalism thing. Like, listen, we don't want promotions to die because then you have an overflux of talent. Once again, not either contract and you don't have them, you don't have places for them to work. And then that, that, that hurts the business. So we need the impacts of the world and the MLWs in the world. And listen, I don't watch NWA, but we even need a company like that to still exist. So there's some influx of talent having different places to work because not everyone could go to an AEW or WWE. And that's exactly it. You just say you don't watch NWA like I don't watch Impact. But that doesn't mean that we don't want them to be around. I don't want Impact to die just mm-hmm. because I don't watch them and I don't like the product. Like, dude, I want them to be around, you know, whether I watch them or not. It's the same thing with NWA. I think the NWA is a freaking joke, too. Like, that's another emotion <laughs> that's like, I, I don't even know, like, how it's even a thing, you know, with Tyrus, uh, Brodus Clay. Ugh, uh, I don't even know, like, when it's on. And I know they have, like, pay-per-views here and there. But, like, I think the NWA is a freaking mess in 2022. But do I want it to die? No, I want it to thrive. I want, you know, I'm glad that there's a place for more people to go and work, you know, like, you know, and get paid and do what they love in this crazy business. So, yeah, I mean, listen, that's that's just what it is. It's like you can, you can be a professional wrestling fan, not watch these shows, but also still not want them to die. And I think a lot of people should take that into consideration, too, especially the WWE versus AEW crowd where, like, you know, the, the WWE crowd wants AEW to die and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, it's just so freaking ridiculous. Listen, in a perfect world, and this is going to tie into, like, the next thing I want to bring up. In a perfect world, Matt Cardona would have won that battle royal, okay? That that call your shot battle royal. And would beat Josh for the Impact World title. Over in NWA, Matt Cardona wins the NWA title. And then he heads over to GCW and defeats Nick Gage for the GCW <laughs> World Champion. And he held, and he held three world titles at the same damn time. King of the Deathmatch, oh, baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, People no. will lose their fucking minds. <laughs> Alright. Let's talk about GCW. I was in Atlantic City for GCW Fight Club weekend. The whole weekend was great. Both shows delivered. But let's talk about the Mox and Gage of it all. So Mox and Gage, they have this death match for the world title. Then we have some interference from Stophy Hathaway and Big Cass, bro. They showed up there. They beat the shit out of Mox. And they played a factor with GC with uh, Nick Gage regaining the GCW World Title. So some news came out of this. So it seems like, at least for now, it seems like Tony Khan doesn't want Moxley to do any more GCW shows. Okay, but Mox was very vocal in saying like, "No, I'm finishing up my run as GCW." Had a year run, a little over of a year run with GCW. Think about it, because he he returned, he showed up at GCW before he even was the world champion. Beats Matt Cardona in Chicago. He has like this death match with Nick Gage a year ago, and then it kind of led to a year in the making of having this rematch with Nick Gage. You know, title versus career. And he wanted to finish up this program. So it seems like now that he signed this five-year deal with AEW, it seems like maybe he's not doing GCW anymore. I'm in the in the mindset where I could see him doing like a blood sport here and there. And if there's like something that kind of gathers his interest, I could see him doing a one-shot. But I just don't think we're going to see as much mocks in GCW like we did before. 
Yeah, well, that uh, that press release where when um, Mox signed that five-year deal, it did say that he's exclusive to AEW, and I think it said he could do NJPW events or something mm-hmm. like that. But, um, yeah, it looks like Mox's time in the Indies is coming to an, an end. And, uh, you know, like, but yeah, like you said, if he wants to do, like, a blood sport WrestleMania weekend or something, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, Tony probably won't want him to do it, but I think Mox has a lot of pull. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Tony's not going to argue with Mox. If Mox wants to do something, he'll do it. But I understand, like, why... Absolutely, 1,000%. Mox to be exclusive as well. I mean, listen, he's let Mox do a lot, okay, over the past year. So, like, anybody who's complaining, oh, Tony Khan is killing the Indies by not letting Mox do it. No, 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 no. Like, listen, he's let Mox do more than he probably should have, okay? Mox is his talent. He wants him to be exclusive. He wants him. He's doing like uh, backstage mentoring now and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't need to be doing all these indie shows. He did a lot for GCW and one thousand percent. And now he could come in maybe here and there if they do another Hammerstein show. Maybe, yep. Maybe they let Mox do that. Something big, something special when it you know the time is right. But he doesn't need to be on every single GCW yep. show. Um, and you know, yeah, it's it it, it makes total sense. So. Uh, I was talking to so last week I did a show uh, talking elite with my guy Don Sean and we were talking about Moxley and his his run in GCW and I and I know he was heavily booed at this GCW show you know facing off with Nick Gage rightfully so because it was title versus career I don't want people to lose the idea lose the the thought that you know Moxley did a lot for GCW he was waving that GCW flag. Like it was his, not only in GCW shows, but in AEW. This guy showed up rocking GCW hoodies. Like, yeah. he was representing that GCW banner proudly. And he didn't have to do that, but he did. Yeah, and, and well, yeah, and again, that's what I'm saying. Like, you gotta be grateful that he did that and he was allowed to do that without any problems like that. And Tony had no issues up until recently. But again, like, he wasn't. Mox wasn't going to be able to do both forever, you mm-hmm. know? And, and let's be honest, too. Like, he drops the belt to Nick Gage. It's like, and he's, I mean, God, with the amount of opponents that Mox has faced over the years, he's basically faced almost everybody you yeah. probably want him to face in GCW, yeah. right? So, like, what more in general is, is left for him to do anyways, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. this is the perfect time for that. So, the, after Nick Gage defeated uh, Mox, Nick Gage did got on the mic and said, credit to Moxley. You know, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Moxley, you know? He, he represented GCW proudly. Just Mox being associated with GCW, I think, put more eyes on the GCW brand. Absolutely, 100%. It probably sold more tickets, too, to the shows and stuff that he was on and everything like that. 100%, absolutely. I mean, the fact that we got to see John Moxley to have this run at GCW, to, it, it's... It's crazy because, you know, again, a couple of years ago, he was still Dean Ambrose in WWE. You would have never thought any of this would have been possible, and we got it. So, you know, let's just be grateful for it. And like I said, I don't think it's the last time we see Mox in GCW, but I think for a while, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, rightfully so, let Nick Gage carry this company on his back and, uh, you know, see where he can take it next. So so one last thing on this uh, on this GCW show. So during this match, there was a – you're always going to – at these wrestling shows, you're always going to get these – fans that just say some just just outrageous Uh-oh. shit out loud and me and my buddy Keith they were making fun of this fucking guy that was sitting like a couple rows 
behind us because he just kept on like yelling just like just outrageous shit like saying like oh you suck this ambrose and wwe and yeah go back to AEW, blah 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 like, just yelling some like just ridiculous shit so we were making fun of this guy because like yeah john moxie's a real piece of shit because he just signed the five-year deal a big money offer because he wants to because he's a good family man and a good proud husband and father yeah what a piece of shit this guy is <laughs> Dude, I don't understand people. <laughs> he just how ridiculous it is. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I really, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, because he cares, because Moxley cares so much about his family and he wants to provide, be a provider for his his wife and kid. Yeah, he's a real piece born. of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, let's move on to some AEW stuff. Chris Jericho, bro, the 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 Ring of Jericho, the Ring of Dishonor, whatever you want to call it. So the Ocho. the Ocho. So he has his match with Brian again. I thought the match was good, but it was nothing like their 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 second encounter, in my opinion. I thought the second encounter was the best one out of the three. I still thought this match was good, but I think fans got something that they didn't expect, and that was we got Daniel Garcia showing up, and he. Turned on Brian Danielson. So I I have a theory about this. And maybe I'm wrong. But this is my theory. Due to some of the shenanigans we got the week before between Sammy G and Andrade. I think they had to pivot a little bit. Where we got Daniel Garcia maybe kind of staying heel for a little bit longer. And that's my theory. I could be wrong. But I think that's why we got what we got. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't know. But let me tell you, I was pretty, pretty surprised to see, uh, you know, Daniel Garcia still stay with Chris Jericho. I thought, you know, while they had been making it very obvious that he was most likely going to leave and join the Blackpool Combat Club. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know. I just still feel like this was the perfect opportunity to break him away from the Jericho Appreciation Society. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like I said, you could be spot on with that. I don't know if this was the plan all along. Because Sammy G wasn't on TV. Sammy G or Tay weren't on TV this past week. Yeah, yeah, well, it looks like they're on vacation now. They're on, they're in Brazil, so I don't even know if, like, that has anything to do with, like, if he was suspended or anything like that. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, some suspension, right, if you're suspending it in Brazil, for God's sake. Um, hey, man, that's one hell of a... But, well, listen, listen, Kenny Omega went to Japan, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So these suspensions aren't really, uh... Man, really man I want to get suspended. <laughs> I was say, more people probably end up trying to get suspended. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a pretty stunning turn of events i did, definitely did not see that coming i love that i love swerves and everything like that uh but just weird how AEW has been doing this a lot they, they're doing it with jamie hater too for example where it's like it looks like they're about to turn and then like they tease you thinking it's gonna be and then nope they just keep everything the way it is like david garcia stays with chris jericho jamie hater for the time being still with brit everything and they did it with luchasaurus too um you know they went back to jungle boy and then they had to turn again for a second time um, it is a little weird, but I'm going to like wait to see how this plays out and see where it goes moving forward. Because like, it just seems like unless there's more to this, which I would hope there is, mm-hmm. like what a waste of time for the past few weeks, right? And past month to see Daniel Garcia like maybe side with Brian. He has issues with Jericho just to turn on Brian ultimately and stay with Jericho. It's like okay, so what happens next? You know, like where does this go next? Brian. And Daniel Garcia had already faced each other plenty of times already. So where is this going, you know? 
It's interesting. It's very interesting, especially because I think this kind of ties in with what Jericho's doing as well. You know, him facing these former Ring of Honor champions over in Rampage. They announced that where Dalton Castle confronted him, and now we're gonna get Dalton Castle and Jericho at Dynamite next week, Tuesday Night Dynamite, uh, the return of the Wednesday Night Wars, just a Tuesday remix. And you know what? I'm kind of looking. I'm looking forward to this match between Dalton Castle and Jericho. You know, Dalton Castle, unfortunately, due to injuries. He hasn't been the same performer that he once was, but I don't know, man. I really have a good feeling between Dalton and Jericho. Yeah, no, me too. I'm, it's going to be an interesting match, one that I probably never thought I would see ever. Mm-hmm. Not one that I really like ever dreamed of seeing, but... And let me tell you something, too. Like, Dalton was fucking super over at, at that oh, Canada crowd. Man, they love some Dalton Castle. I think that might have been one of the biggest pops he's ever gotten in his whole career. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think for the most part, too, he's always been pretty over just because his, his act just gets over in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hey, listen, Jericho's rolling with this former Ring of Honor thing, or Ring of Honor World Champion thing, right? Like, he wants to face all the former champions. You kind of figured this was going to happen sooner or later, right? I mean, Dalton Castle really hasn't been doing much ever since Ring of Honor closed the doors. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, now it's probably opening it back up, but we saw him on um, AEW a couple of times here and there before, but nothing major. This is going to be a big match for him. This, yeah. is, this is huge. And yep. Obviously, he's not going to win, but um, yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, for, for somebody like me who, at this point, I'm just getting sick and tired of all this, like, Ring of Honor stuff blending over and onto AEW. Um, this is one thing where it's like, okay, like, it it works with the current storyline mm-hmm. we're getting with Chris Jericho right now. It's like, all right, he wants to face former ROH World Champions. Dalton Castle is one, so there we go. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be good. Listen, look at what Chris Jericho did. Okay. Oh so, yeah. Like, anybody new that he faces that we've never seen before, I'm definitely excited for it moving forward. So it's it's kind of cool because it's like, all right, well, who's going to be next after Dalton Castle, and then who's going to be next after that? So you just never know. I kind of like it. You did say that you're getting tired of the of this whole Ring of Honor stuff, but we're going to talk some more Ring of Honor. Just hold just just hold on for a bit. So I know you're getting tired of it, but we are going to talk some more Ring of Honor. Orange Cassidy and Pac, bro. These two just don't have bad chemistry. They put on another fucking banger this past week. And now Orange Cassidy is your new All-Atlantic champion. And it's his first championship in AEW, bro. Yeah, no, it's very cool. I definitely, when I saw this match was going to be in the main event slot, I was like, all right, OC has to be winning this. Um, and glad he did. And I, you know, I think it's well-deserved. I think Pac did a good job defending this belt, especially on Battle of the Belt. Mike oh, my God, bro. Can we just talk? Oh, Pac, bro. That man... What a fucking machine that guy is. So he puts on this yeah. amazing trios match, all right, against the Dark Order. And then right after that, after that, what is it, like maybe less than a five-minute break? He yeah. faced Trent Beretta in another fucking banger. They're fucking diving off of shit and stuff. Holy fuck. Dude, that's why, like, I, I thought it was so weird how, like, they ended up putting this belt on the line again, you know, a few days later. And then he loses it. That's one thing I will say, too, about AEW that bothers me. Is that, like, I understand that, you know, the, the they're, all these guys are fighting champions, right? But, like, literally, as soon as somebody wins a belt, it, I feel like they're defending it the next week. Yeah. You know, especially after they win it on a pay-per-view, the next Dynamite or Rampage, oh, they're defending it already. Out of nowhere. Same thing here. Pac literally just defended this belt on Friday. Now he's defending it again on Wednesday. Why? 
why does he like let things breathe a little bit? Right. Like, at least give two weeks before he defends it again. That's oh. why I just kind of like Billy, where he goes through these two battles of just you know just amazing matches, and he's retaining both of his championships, right? And then he's losing that same championship that he just retained a few days later to Orange Cassidy. But, you know, but on the flip side of that, right? You have you have Pac defending the title, like. You know, on a weekly basis, we'll just say that, right? And you have Jericho. This guy's defending his world title on a weekly basis at this point, right? But then you have Warlow, that's the the TNT champion. And prior to last week, we didn't see the man in like two to three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, I, it makes literally no sense. I know, like I don't know what they're doing with him. They completely dropped the ball on him. Oh my god, I can go on a rant about him, but I'm not even about though him. his match with Brian Cage two weeks ago, thought I thought that match was great. So why can't we see more of that? Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 there's plenty of other guys that I'd love to see come in and, and see, you know, Wardlow dominate. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I just, like, like I said, I'm not going to get into that since right. we're not even on that topic. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the belt is just being defended way too much. But with that being said, happy for Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll be a fun champion. I'm excited to see Absolutely. how he is as a champion. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, nothing against Pac. Nothing against him. But I know he's like... He's gone a lot. He's in the UK a lot, things like that. I feel like this whole Atlantic belt will benefit more being on Orange Cassidy than it will have on on Pack long term. I really think that having it on Orange Cassidy is going to make people more interested in seeing this championship. Especially Orange Cassidy. I know he does like not 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 frequently, but he does do independence like throughout the states. So I could see him defending that title in the states too, like in these little yeah, indie yeah. promotions. belt or, or no that's like just to defend it in like uh different countries or something like that like i don't know some with this belt it's like oh it could be defended like dude i, I don't like this i, I, I still know. i'm still trying to get, understand the name behind it okay how it all makes sense i don't know um but yeah nonetheless it was a good moment we got a good pop and uh yeah let's see where they go all right so th- so the next thing i'm gonna bring up and it's gonna it's gonna this is gonna like blend in with so much other shit. So, we mentioned Warlow, and we're getting like this Warjo tag team, which I, I, I really don't understand, but whatever. We ha- Yeah, for what? They're both champions, right? So, so we get this Warjo tag team, and, and it seems like they're continuing the feud between the embassy, which is Brian Cage, and I forget the dude, the, the other two, uh, the other two names that are part of the embassy. I can't think of them. I, one of them I'm very high on. Um, he used to be... Like, giant, like one is a Samoan cat, but I'm I'm really high on the other guy. I can't. Uh, I think his name is uh something Khan. I can't think of his first name right now. But uh, he um he was in Ring of Honor before, like before Tony Khan bought it. Um, anyways, um he's part of Shane, Shane Taylor Promotions. Um, I can't think I can't think of the cat's name right now. But anyways, they're, they're continuing this feud with the Embassy, and now FTR FTR is involved with it or whatever. And within all this melee. We get a return of Sean Spears, but this time we're getting the perfect ten gimmick back. I know there were some mixed, um, you know, mixed uh, opinions about it. I personally necessarily don't mind it. You know, it, it, Sean Spears got a great pop in Canada. You know, his uh, his home country, and I guess the Pinnacle's back, sort of. I, I don't know. I guess is Samoa Joe part of the Pinnacle? I, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I don't know. Nah. Yeah, listen, I was very surprised to see Sean Spears back because I read that um, 
his contract was coming up and he wasn't going to be back in AEW. Obviously, that ended up being false. Mm -hmm. But I'm mm -hmm. glad it was because I've always been a fan of this guy. I yeah. mean, I think he's great. Uh, you know, like, I think his gimmick, you know, the Perfect Ten was awesome. I think when he came to AEW and he... He like you know got the chairman gimmick, the chairman that whole feud with Cody Rhodes. He, he should he should have won over. that. That's why. Yeah. He should have yeah, won that match. Yep. Hundred percent. Him and Tully though was so good, and yeah, I've always been a fan of this guy, so I was happy to see him back. I thought it was a little random, uh, but he did get a good pop. Because he got a great he's pop. He's from Canada, so. Um, and, and then you know we see the the reason he left uh, is because yeah, his mom passed yep, and all that stuff, yep. which is oh, very very sad. Yeah. Let me tell you something. But, when he got on the mic and he started. He started, uh, you know, kind of just going on uh, about just everything that's been going on. On top of talking about his personal stuff, but then right in the beginning of his promo, he goes like, you know, I know there's been a lot of rumors. Well, that's all false. It's not true. <laughs> he just put, he just completely just put an axe on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're good. I mean, it's just another situation. That, and you know what? That's one thing. Right. You know. That's one thing I noticed that AEW's been doing a lot. Because obviously there's this narrative now that AEW's just a toxic work environment, right? Just kind of, just because of the, the things that we've been seeing. But what I've been noticing is a lot of these guys, especially at the end of the show when it's like just for the crowd, they're talking about how don't believe the bullshit you read. Guys like Chris Jericho, guys like John Moxley, guys like Claudio, guys like, like now Sean Spears and even FTR, like... They're going on record saying, uh, hey, you know, this is still what it is. AEW is still a great place to work. Yeah, there's some problems backstage just like in any other workplace, but this is still a great place to work. And then Sean Spears obviously started touching on some of the stuff that he went through. Uh, obviously, you know, him losing his mom, that definitely touched me in a personal level. A level I'm sure it touched you as well. And then just... um. Him going to, to be a father, uh, which, you know, that there's, like, some silver lining with that. So, um, yeah, I, I really did enjoy Sean Spears' uh, uh, live promo to the crowd. And, I, listen, I never disliked Sean Spears. I think Sean Spears has all the tools to be the guy. The problem is Sean Spears' booking, not just in WWE, but in AEW, has been meh. Yeah, he's never given a, been given a fair chance, in my opinion. The only thing that he had going for him was that Cody feud. That was even before AEW even had television. It was going so good. And then as soon as Cody beat him, I feel like that was the axe. Like, that was it. I know he's been a PE appeared with, like, uh, MJF a few times. The pinnacle. Like that, but he, yeah. he was kind of like, yeah, he was kind of a goof. Like, you know. He was uh, a lackey. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I kind of just like him. He was badass with, like, Sean Spear, um, with um, Tully Blanchard, excuse me. And, you know, he came out with the chair all the time. And I don't know. I just feel like they definitely dropped the ball on him, but they did that with a lot of people, so I'm not surprised. But happy to see Sean Spears back, and let's maybe he'll get some more TV time now. I don't know. I mean, I know that I don't know when uh, his baby is being born and everything like that, but uh, yeah, I definitely enjoy seeing him on TV. So hopefully, hopefully we see him a lot more. Yeah, me too. All right, more on the on the Ring of Honor front, because <laughs> I know oh, this is your this is your favorite. <laughs> Listen, you're you, you listen. You're the man that put the honor back in Ring of Honor, bro. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Come on. It's back. All right. So. So so on Rampage we got the 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 six man. We got you know Sean Spears tagging with FTR, the Pinnacle. You know because they're always on top. Versus the Embassy. Okay. Great match. Cool stuff there. You know it's great to see uh, Sean Spears back wrestling. He hasn't missed a beat. Good stuff there. And then 
after the match, I heard an interesting song play. And it was a song that I haven't heard in a while. And that was the kingdom, one of the new kingdom themes from Ring of Honor. Back in Ring of Honor when Matt Taven was a leader. And we see Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Maria Kanellis. And I was like, holy shit, the kingdom's back. They just finished up with Impact. They dropped the Impact tag titles at one of the tapings. It was not at Bound for Glory. It was at the tapings following. So I think we're going to see that this coming week. And we see the kingdom. Okay. I'm like, okay, good stuff. And then they're kind of continuing. What's interesting is they're kind of continuing the mindset of what Honor No More was, where it's like, listen, and listen, it's all valid points, by the way, too. I'm not even disagreeing with them. Uh, Maria Canella says that, you know, we are tired of getting ignored that the reason why AEW is in existence is some of this, the foundation that we built, that Ring of Honor built, which is very valid points. I can't disagree with that. And now they're taking this, uh, um, I guess, this uh, war to AEW. And then we see the embassy and we see the kingdom beat down, uh, try, you know, trying to beat down uh, FTR and the Pinnacle and then Samoa Joe and... And whatchamacallit, Samoa Joe and Warlow made a save. Now, when it comes to the kingdom of them all, listen, I think the kingdom is an underrated tag team, in my opinion. I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of all their work that they do as a tag team. Listen, I like Taven. I think Taven was put in a rough spot when he became world champion in Ring of Honor. I think it was, it was, he, it was the wrong place in the wrong time for him to be a world champion. He did have some great matches with Jay Lethal, with Roosh, with Jeff Cobb. Um, Marty Skrull at the time. It was just bad timing for him. Mike Bennett is another guy. Big fan of Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis. I think they, as a unit, they put on phenomenal work. When they were in WWE, I did not like their run in WWE. Everywhere else, I did enjoy their run. Um, as a tag team, that's where they're it. That's where they're the it factor, if you will. I think as a tag team, they're a very underrated tag team. And I don't hate them being in AEW, which leads me to my next point. I think we need to see the Kingdom and FTR at Final Battle. They haven't announced Final Battle yet. I don't even know if there is going to be even a Final Battle. <laughs> yeah, right. Where's there even gonna be one? But if I'm Tony Khan, if I still don't have a TV deal, I still will do a Final Battle. And if we have a Final Battle, I think we need to see the Kingdom and FTR. I think what a way to close out the year with a phenomenal tag match. <laughs> something new this is something fresh the the kingdom versus ftr i'm i'm all for it hey listen i so you're all in you're all in for this i'm I'm all in on this why the hell not ftr hasn't done jack shit so long (laughs) well they haven't done they haven't done jack shit in AEW. they've been doing everywhere else yeah yeah, that's fair that's fair but like that's the place where i want them to do it is something there i definitely i've always wanted to see more from the two of them specifically where you know mike bennett goes on to win championships she maria helps yep. him this and that um you know we we have not gotten those two as a real just like uh, you know like in wwe like they didn't really do much like i don't know i just feel like a lot of companies have dropped the ball on that duo mm-hmm. um and then matt taven too i think he definitely does get a bad rap um, because like you said, they threw the Ring of Honor 
World Championship on him when everybody wanted Marty Skrull to win that. Mm-hmm. And then just every nobody gave Matt Taven a chance. But the, the I think it was an Iron Man match against Jay Lethal. It, it, it was before he was World Champion. It was at the anniversary pay-per-view. It was, it was Jay Lethal versus Matt Taven, and they gave us a 60-minute Broadway. It, it ended in a draw. Yes. That match was fan-fucking-tastic, bro. That was the minute that I said, okay, this Matt Taven dude, I'm a fan. Okay, and Fantastic. If has not seen that match, that's when, that's when that guy just completely just turned my... I don't really have much opinion on him to begin with, but like... I just he was always a great worker. Guy, it was just like, he was just yeah. like, whatever. Nobody really cared about him unless he was doing like tag team stuff. But that match to me solidified him as like, okay, this guy could be a main event guy. Absolutely, yep, 100%. Me too. So ever since then... I respect Matt Taven's work, and I think, you know, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a fine worker, and especially him and Bennett, too. I think they're a good tag team together as well. So, I mean, they're a good unit, just as good as, you know, I think Mike and Maria would be a, a good package deal, just the two of them. But, um, you know, I think that that tag team definitely works. So, yeah, I'm all in on them facing FTR. I don't think they're going to be signed to AEW. I mean, I could be wrong, because, you know, Tony signs everybody. But <laughs> I think he brought them in. Because eventually they're going to be working Ring of Honor again. Now, I don't know. You would think. Now, Tony bought Ring of Honor, what, in March? I believe it was right before Revolution in March. Yeah, yeah, it was right before. Yeah, it was. Um, it was right before. It was right before Revolution. So I want to say late February, early March. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, literally went throughout the whole entire year putting on these pay per views without TV here and there. Blah blah blah. They did. Supercard, they did that before the Sonder, then maybe they'll do Final Battle, who knows. 2023. And I'm not, don't wait until half, you know, until this, we're a couple months in. I feel like Tony Khan needs to get this TV deal for Ring of Honor, if there's going to be one, done by early January, February, whatever, and get the ball rolling on this Ring of Honor thing at this point, you know? And I think that's why he brought them into the company, because I just feel like they're eventually going to be a focal point on Ring of Honor. I mean, we know the impact that Maria has had on Ring of Honor or the impact Ring of Honor has had on her and and Bennett and Taven. Um, So I just think they're going to end up there anyways. So I'm not sure they're going to be signed to AEW, but nonetheless, if they, you know, they're obviously going to be working there for the time being until that happens. So I don't think that's a bad thing at all. A year in the making. We get this big press release or a big video package a year later, Ring of Honor finally gets a TV deal. <laughs> or maybe or maybe it happens at Final Battle. Maybe they announce something yeah, at Final Battle or something. That. Wasn't it last year's Final Battle where they it was like the last show before they took that hiatus? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it would be cool if like this year, mm-hmm. a year later, mm-hmm. at Final Battle, it's like, okay, TV deal coming. It's like, wow, what a difference a year makes, you know? Okay. So let's say Ring of Honor, and this is more fantasy booking stuff at this point. Let's say Ring of Honor does get a TV deal. Would because listen, during the week there's just so much wrestling going on. But what if Ring of Honor gets a six oh five one hour time slot, like on a TNT or TBS? Would you be interested in that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking because listen, Ring of Honor is still like a working project for like tony so i'm thinking what they would do is they would do like a two-hour show for the live crowd like kind of like taping so they will tape 
a live show for live on TBS or TNT, etc. Six oh five to whatever. That's the hour show. The next hour is like next week's. So they would do like kind of like every two weeks they do like a two hour show. One's live and the other one's live to tape. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what AEW used to do during the pandemic. They yeah they would do one live week and then they would tape the you know following week after and then you know yeah like every two weeks they would yeah, do it. I think live. I think that'd be perfect. And keep keep the show an hour. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. hour, like NXT used to be. I think Ring of Honor TV um, used to be one hour as well. Yeah, yep, Keep one hour. One hour program, and yeah, I, I, if it's interesting enough, I mean, I'll definitely give it a chance. You know, I'm not just gonna. Oh, uh, absolutely. Just not watch it from the get go, but like keep it one hour, and I, you know, if it's good, I'll watch it every week. I just another two hour wrestling show. I don't, I don't think we need that. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's too much, but I think that I think that's I think that's a uh, ideally I would like that because it kind of brings you like the whole like old school prestige like WCW NWA vibes with the, like the six oh five stuff. Yep. Obviously yep. being on TNT and TBS, and then what? Why not like the, I think Ring of Honor kind of fits that mold, right? So why not put it on there? Uh, well, uh, the, the network that they end up on—that's that's the biggest thing for me too. Like I, I don't know if like. I guess if they work something out with Warner, then they could do it on TNT and TBS. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be on, it's gonna be on True TV. <laughs> right? I'm expecting something like that because at this point, I just feel like wouldn't it already be on TNT or TBS if you know Warner wanted more wrestling? Like that is true. Company? That is very like, very what, true. What, what's taking Tony Khan so long then? I, I don't know. They might, he might want his own complete separate network for that, but I don't know. That is very true. That's a good point. Well, we gotta wait and see. Find a network that like wants wrestling on on TV, especially something that might not do amazing ratings too. You know, you don't want Ring of Honor to be jumping around like Impact has jumped around to like forty seven channels in the past like three years. You know, like (laughs) you also don't want that because that's embarrassing and that's not what Tony Khan's. That'd be very embarrassing for Tony. So I don't know. it's weird. I really don't know. I don't know what to expect. And I don't even think Tony knows what, what the hell is even going on with this Ring of Honor thing. I think he just bought it and was just like, all right, we'll see what happens with it. Tony might not know what he wants to do with it, but I'm sure like the next time Ring of Honor, like we get an announcement for like an, another Ring of Honor show, whether it's like a pay-per-view or maybe like a live special, he's going to say he's one of the greatest Ring of Honor cards in Ring of Honor history. Yes, yeah. Oh, he's going to gloat about how every show is the best Ring of Honor show in the history of Ring of Honor. Every <laughs> All right, let's wrap up, dude. We talked about the the potential of there being another final battle, right? And, and I think we are going to get some announcement, maybe even at full gear about final battle happening. So if we was to get the Kingdom versus FTR for the tag titles at final battle, who the hell does Chris Jericho face for the world championship? Who does he defend the world title at final battle? By the way, whoever he faces, I think Jericho needs to retain. I think Jericho should hold that title for a while. Oh, yeah, totally, 100%. I don't know, man. I mean, there's... I mean, what are the options? Like, I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, there's been so many Ring of Honor champions in their history, but half of them, you know, obviously he can't face anymore because they're all in WWE. I don't know, man. I don't know. 
I mean, I'd like to see Adam Cole, but I don't know what the heck is going on with him and his injury. You know, it's funny, it, yeah, because apparently there's like a lot of gray area. See, like Meltzer reported something about, and it's gonna sound like I'm, I'm like I have like I don't like Meltzer or anything like that, but it's just, it's just that Meltzer sometimes he kind of like his he time sometimes when he has an opinion about something he kind of like turns it in a way where it's fact uh, and he does that a lot of times but he did mention something this past week where apparently adam cole's injury is like really really bad and it could be like career ending and when he said that like i'm like man i hope that's not true and then i also started scratching my head i'm like wait a minute wasn't it like just like two weeks ago adam cole was like be ready when i come back i'm taking everything so it's like why would he tweet that if like this injury is that bad yeah honestly i don't know i'm I'm take everything with a grain of salt. I know, uh, you know, Meltzer is pretty reliable when it comes to the news, but I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't know as much as he thinks mm-hmm, he does sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not thinking about that. Not, right, right, right. I just want Adam Cole to be good. Hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still holding, holding out hope that, you know, eventually Adam Cole's going to come back. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Listen, I'm looking through, like, right now, like, I looked up former Ring of Honor World Champions just to get some ideas of who Jericho mm-hmm. could possibly face. I mean, you could do the Samoa Joe match, which would be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Joe Joe versus um Jericho would be cool. Who who else is available that he could face? Yeah, like available. That's the thing. It's like well, you got like. I mean, again, these guys are an impact. We got Eddie Edwards. Uh, you know, well, Jay Lethal is in the company, but I don't know. It's just like because they were teasing at um two weeks ago on Dynamite. They were teasing like Jay Lethal possibly turning on, on Sanjay and, and and I forget the dude's name San, Sandum San, yeah, Sandum Singh you know if if they was to, if they was to turn lethal face you know Jericho versus lethal would be a dope main event for final battle oh yeah that, they would put on a great match you kidding that would be yeah, a really dope that. fucking main event did you see uh, earlier on this week I think maybe it was last week um Nigel McGuinness uh is released from yep. WWE. Did you see that news? I did see so it. I'm looking at right now. He's on this list. But I don't think he'll wrestle no. again, though. I don't, yeah, probably not. But I would not put it past Tony Khan, honestly. <laughs> oh, my God. Nigel McGinnis to have him face Chris Jericho, honestly, because, you know, Tony's a mark for, you know, all the shit, so. You know who I uh, don't want to see at Final Battle for the main event? And, and it's probably going to be a very unpopular opinion because he's like, how, how would you say? I don't want to see another Brian and Jericho match. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that should be done. Only one of them was really good. That's it. I don't want to see no more either. I don't, I don't know. Listen, there's not many people on this list that, like, I mean, I don't know. You know, you get your Christopher Daniels, your Kyle O'Reilly, your Adam Coles, your, you know, Dolph Castle, Jay Lethal, uh, Matt Taven, Roosh, DCO, you know, it's just Bandito we already saw. So there's not many options. I mean, there's some, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's Jay, bro. Fans. Maybe it's fucking Jay it Lethal. Could be Jay. Yeah, who knows? Oh, I also yeah, think yeah. it's not going to be up to Jericho to see, too, who he wants to face with, to face off with, because Mickey has a lot of say in, like, who he wants to work with and stuff like that, so I don't know, <laughs> see what he comes up with. Imagine he goes like, listen, Tony, I don't care who you have to talk to, all right? I don't care what kind of deal you have to make, but if Cody Rhodes is clear, I want to face Cody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. A, a one, just a one-shot deal. I want I want Cody, because <laughs> remember, and it kind of plays into the story. Cody Rhodes can never challenge for the AEW World Title, but not for the Ring of Honor World Title. Not for the Ring of Honor. <laughs> and also, too, what Jericho just said about Cody recently—you see that stuff where he was like, uh, I don't know, I forget—it's like not a lot of people knew 
who Cody was and raised up. Yo. Cody responded, oh, there it is, man. It's a long time. There you go. We did it. There you go. Book it, baby. Book it. <laughs> oh, my God. Such good stuff. All right, bro. That's it, man. We, I think we covered uh, everything. We covered everything from every fucking organization, bro. We really did, yeah. We, we covered so much to talk about, but I think we got it all done. Yeah, man. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, give me your plugs, Ann. All right. At Outsiders on Twitter. Uh, trying to be as active as I can on there, so definitely give that a follow if you have not already. All right, you can follow me at Rated R since 87. Make sure you follow El Lucha Outsiders everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm not going to plug where you can find the podcast or the show because if you're listening to this, you know where to find it. So for the old man, Leo, that's not here for our double Ryan Radar, I am yours truly, Mr. Rated R. Till next time, keep it Rated R and stay too sweet. Goodbye. And good night. Bang!